Hi, this is Carrie, and welcome to Tandem Talks, a podcast meant to empower you to live your life your way. And I'm Craig. Join us as we go deeper with entrepreneurs and their journey creating success in business and life. Welcome to another episode of Tandem Talks. We are super honored to have Joshua Miller out of the Austin area, although born and raised in New York City. And he is a leader, um, an executive coach. He actually coaches Fortune 500 company leaders. He's also a best-selling author. His book, I Call Bullshit, I highly, highly recommend. Um, He's a LinkedIn learning coach and trainer, and he also is a TEDx speaker. So, you know, I've been following him on LinkedIn for a number of years, really ever since I got on social media and just really resonate with the vibe, the tone, the deeper mindset behind everything he puts out. So I'm really eager to have a deep conversation around all things leadership and hopefully some other side tributary topics. But we just want to thank you, Josh, for being on and a big welcome. Yeah, thank you both. I'm super excited to be here. Um, and, you know, it's interesting when I listen to the introduction, um, mm-hmm. it takes me back. It takes me a moment to just kind of recognize, well, I, I did all that. When did I do that? <laughs> I don't remember doing that. Um, but yeah, I am super honored to be here. And thank you guys for having me. And um, I'm ready to dive in and, and add value to your, your show and to your listeners. I love it. Well, I want to talk all about your book. Um, but first, can we talk a little bit about your your genesis, kind of how things got started? I mean, your story yeah. is really fascinating and very compelling, kind of how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah, I'd rather talk about that than my book. It's in my book, but I'd rather talk about that. So yeah, and I think I think your listeners, uh, hopefully they'll, they'll find this of interest and purpose to them. So I started off my career... Um, so both my parents, uh, they're, they're artists and uh, a little, two very interesting facts. So um, anyone who knows who Andy Warhol is um, will understand this. So my, my uncle went to college with Andy Warhol. They were uh, shared wow. dorm rooms together. They were best friends. And Andy wow. Warhol apparently uh, babysat for me and my older brother when we were kids. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a crazy story. Um, so Art and, and, and artistry and creativity has been in my family. And I grew up like that. And I went to school and then I graduated for advertising and communications. And I thought, wow, this is it. I'm super excited. And, you know, early 20s, thinking I could take on the world, living in New York City, working in advertising. And like fast forward four or five years, I was miserable, quarter life crisis, burnt out, um, just, just unhappy. And I was walking out of my, my office one day on a Friday afternoon, 8 million people in the city. And I, somebody bumped into me. I lost my footing. I literally hit the sidewalk, fractured my nose in two places. People are walking over me, right? This is New York. Nobody cares. And um, all of a sudden, this woman's like, excuse me, are you, are you okay? Do you need help? And normally, I would have just been like, leave me alone. I would have gotten up, blood everywhere, and just walked home. Uh, I was like, no, I need some help. And this woman, out of 8 million people in the, in the city, was a coach. She was an executive coach. She worked at Deloitte. And we started talking. And it was literally that conversation. So you talk about the genesis. Literally, the genesis of how I got to sitting where I am today was with an incident or accident, however you want to call it, serendipitously, this woman was a coach. I started talking to her. I said, whatever you're doing, whatever you do for a living, I want that. How do I, how do I get that? And so she, I coaxed her into riding with me in the ambulance 
uh, in the back of the ambulance to go to the hospital. And I'm trying to listen and take, and she's like, just relax, you know, blood gushing everywhere. You're losing blood. You're losing oxygen. Uh, Everything. (laughs) And I'm trying to like move my career forward. Literally. I'm like, wait, hold on. Trying to acquire a mentor in the ambulance. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it's New York. You got to multitask, right? If you don't, someone else is going to maybe, maybe the medic would be like, wait, you're a coach. I want to be a coach. And then I lose the opportunity. So I was like, I got to do this. And finally at the hospital, she was like, look, here's my information. Follow me tomorrow. Uh, literally that night, next day, I, I reached out. I said, let's meet. We met. And um, I just said, tell me how you got to do what you're doing. I, I want to understand more. I was, it's like, I found what I was meant to do. I just didn't know what it was or how to get there. And this person sat down for about two hours and helped me like figure out what I needed to do within 24 hours. I was already signed up to get certified in a year long coaching program. And now, you know, 20, well, 22 years later as a coach, here I am. So when you talk about the Genesis, I mean, that's in the book. I tell people, you know, like, how'd you get into coaching? I said, I, I fell into it literally. It's not a joke. It's literally what happened. And so, yeah, that's, that's me as of now. I thought our story was serendipitous meeting each other. Yeah, no one even got well, injured. No one got hurt. There was no ambulance. Well, I, I recommend that you don't need the contact of cement at a forceful uh, uh, pace to, to have that kind of reaction. Or, or, But yeah, look, I mean, I firmly believe that we all have a purpose. I know people throw around the word purpose and we can talk about all these other words I'd like to just retire, but being purposeful and purposeful leadership is literally one of the most critical things right now for everybody. And, and I have a very specific definition of leader. I think everyone is a leader. A lot of people say, oh, well, no, you're not a leader because you don't make this money or you don't drive that car or you don't sit in this office. You don't have that title. I, 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 I call BS, right? That's my book. But that wasn't a plug on my book. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, my book is right, right there. So it's kind of a plug. But yeah. here, here, here's the reality. Leadership is one thing that anybody can develop. It, it just is because leadership is defined by a set of skills. Now, the skills may change over the course of time, but it's still skill-based, which means anybody can develop themselves to be a leader, right? And so I look at leadership as something that um, everyone is a leader in their life. You don't have to work at a company with X amount of people following you. It's more about what are you embodying and how are you showing up? And I'm a big proponent of that. And I think when I, when I listen to your show and the work that you do, um, what resonates for me is there's, there's a sense of purpose and empowerment that you have for, for people. And I think that's really important for people to understand right now because of the great resignation, because people are dealing with uncertainty, the pandemic, they shouldn't lose hope. They should not lose hope. Um, I think it's really important that you can be a leader in your life and turn that on at any point at any time. Hundred um, percent. Thank you for riffing on that, uh, and and off of your story, of course. So, I, if, if it's okay, I, I'll I'll jump in and ask a question. So, yeah. you said something to us right before we started the show that I thought was really powerful. You said, "I don't really want to spend a minute doing something or or working with people that aren't going to grow, you know, myself, my business, or or help me create a better life with my family." I'm paraphrasing yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah, sure. And I I think it's really easy to get caught up in the entrepreneurial grind and the spin and we lose sight of the bigger picture, family values, like why am I really doing this purpose? Yeah. Um how have you been able to kind of steer the course? How have you been able to chart that well? 
you know, cause you've got 20 years of this coaching experience, but it sounds like family is a priority and you figured that out somehow. Can you yeah. talk to us about that a little bit? Because there, I guess there's this dichotomy of like, man, you got to go grind and you got to make it happen, which I totally <coughs> believe in. We agree with, and yeah. you can't lose like your spouse along the way. Right. Or your children. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of answers to your question. Uh, cause I feel like the question is kind of collapsed with a few different elements. So I want to kind of uncollapse them and, and separate that. Um, so to answer your question, how do I do it personally or how I've been successful? Um, number one, I set very clear intentions around my life. Okay. Um, you know, this is not about mantras and memes. That's not right. what we're talking about. Right. This is not, um, it could be meditation in the morning and productivity hacks that work for you. Uh, and I'll speak to that in a moment, but I am very intentional with um, my time, my energy, and my presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so the time that I spend with who, where, um, my presence, am I really present? As a coach, my job is to show up and be present in a way that other people don't find, right? That's part of the mm-hmm. training of being a coach. And so I really understand the value of what my presence is. Um, And that's something I work with clients to help them understand, which brings me to the third thing is energy. As you get older, you realize that outside the fact that we're all made up of energy, um, it, it takes a lot of energy to show up and be present, right? And be purposeful. So I am mindful of my intention, my presence, my energy, number, number one, two, and three. Um, the other thing that people uh, don't know about me is that I'm very much an introvert. Um, you know, I, I often get, you know, uh, people say, oh, well, you know, can you do this or be here or speak and do this kinds of things? And professionally, I'm, I do that all the time. I have no problem with that. Socially, though, I, because I spend so much of my time uh, being out up front and, and forward facing, I need to reserve my energy and, and get that reserve back up. And I, I think it's really important people stop and take a moment, take a stock and say, you know, hey, what's going on with my body? Am I spent? Am I exhausted? Oftentimes, we just run ourselves ragged. Running yourself ragged will lead to what you just offered up in the beginning of this conversation, which is, yeah, you'll lose your spouse, you'll lose your kids, right? So being intentional, right, with your time, your presence and your energy. The other thing that I recommend is setting very clear boundaries. I am unbelievably clear around what are the hours I work and what are the hours I don't work. And anyone who works with me knows that if you're trying to contact me in hours that I don't work, you will not find me. I might as well be off the grid. And that is, again, it's intentional. So I can be present with my family, present with myself, and I can get my energy back up. Um, and boundaries are you know, personal, emotional, right? It, it's really being, it's owning who you are and what you need to be successful, whether it's as a couple, as a parent, co-parent, you know, partnerships, whatever that looks like. Um, and I think one of the other things that's helped me, um, time management, of course, uh, is the power of saying no or not now. You know, uh, is a concept that's riddled all over the internet. People talk about it all the time. Forget about growth mindset. Just the concept of saying no or not now and or when is so powerful. And I didn't understand this until I got older. I always thought that if I said no, oh my God, 
right? What's that going to mean? My ego is going to be bruised. They're going to think I can't do it. I'll make it a conversation about my abilities and all this and go down the rabbit hole. And it's just, again, there goes my energy. There goes my presence. There goes my intention. See, it goes back to those three things. Saying no, not now and offering up a solution or of when has been one of the most freeing uh, concepts that I've ever, ever learned in my life. And I practice it daily. And that goes back to what I said around guarding your time and your energy and your presence and boundaries. You know, otherwise people will take from you all day long. Mm-hmm. If you're an entrepreneur, the one thing that you have that's more valuable than getting a seed round of money is your time. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing. It's actually more important than your product or your service or your, your business. And if you give that away, not only are you going to lose out, um, in more ways than one, but you're also teaching people and modeling people that it's okay. And this is what I see in a lot of serial startup entrepreneurs and, and CEOs. They want to be everywhere to everyone all the time. And this kind of collapses into that hustle conversation. You know, there's no Bible on hustling. And maybe there is, I'm sure there's a book on it. But again, you know, my point is, is that that's a term that is used very broadly. But if you really wanted to like, you know, pick pick apart that, that concept, you can still hustle smart versus hard or whatever, but you really got to manage your time. You got to guard that. Like it's the most precious thing. I guard my time. Like I protect my kids and my family. Um, that's so how's that for over answering your question? <laughs> that was not an over answer. That was, okay. that was, it was beautiful actually. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I want to just keep asking me questions. I want to, I want to be, I want to help and be of service to, anyone who's listening. Well, I love what you said, Josh, about just this idea of being present with people mm-hmm. and yeah. how it does. It takes so much energy, right? And yeah. I think it's one of our biggest gifts to people <clears throat> is our real presence and being truly accessible on like a heart to heart level when we're with, mm-hmm. with the people that matter to us. Um, yeah. And as a coach, you know, coaches from our side, I do think the energy side of things is a really fascinating discussion because when you're low energy, it's hard to be motivated or empowered about much of anything. Like that's when people turn on Netflix or grab yeah. the, the food that's not like really nourishing or helping them. And I think yeah. um, it's a good level of assessment and evaluation. Like what are we doing in our life to truly boost our energy so that we are in a position to actually give not only to ourselves, but to like be present when we're with other people. So I think it's a good conversation. Uh, If you can't, it starts with yourself. Again, a concept that you hear all the time, especially on LinkedIn. If you can't give back to yourself, or let me say it differently, the amount that you give to yourself is in direct proportion to the amount that you can give to somebody else. So put in love, attention, time, sleep, It all, there's a compound effect there. There's a multiplier. And, you know, we think when we're younger that we are indestructible, where we we can go on and grind and all for days. As you get older, you realize, you know what, instead of working out five days a week, I'm going to work out three because I'm going to sleep the other two. This is me speaking, by the way. And (laughs) because I slept in this morning and I'm going to have a better, a better workout regimen the next day. Right. So that, uh, that compound effect of working out, taking a day off, right. You can translate that to so many other things personally and professionally. So yeah, I'm with you. I think it's really, really important. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm switching gears. One statement in your book that I want 
to understand on a deeper level, because I, this idea of the ego is really interesting to me. And you you were talking Mm -hmm. about the idea of what holds people back is often fear. Yeah. Ego or fear of ego. Yeah. And I'd love to understand what you mean more by that, that last, that last one, especially because. Sure. I haven't spoken about my book and a while. So I love this. It's it's good. It's a good refresher. Um, So yeah, I mean, there's fear, right? So we all, all of us, you two, myself, everyone listening, we're all ego-based organisms, which means we have fear. Okay. And that's part of our fight or flight. It's, it's ingrained in our amygdala. It's, it's that old hard wiring that has not evolved over centuries in our brains. And so you know, when we talk about fear or ego or fear of ego, to me, it's all kind of the one because, um, you know, we all have fears. Some people address those fears head on, other people deny them. Um, but we have to recognize that we all have egos. We don't want to be bruised. We take things personally. We're all emotional beings, myself included. Right. And when you meet somebody who says, oh, well, you know, that doesn't bother me. Anytime I hear somebody say that, I'm like, they are bothered the most, right? (laughs) Um, It's just the truth. It's like the people that overcompensate. And so then they're the people I feel like who are, you know, there's the fear of the ego. And to me, um, and this may be a little off track from the book, but I want to just extrapolate because this is what's there for me right now is that there's people that recognize there's fear and either lean into it or go away. There's the ego, which is just the concept of, hey, we've got that understand it, appreciate it, accept it. And then there are people who are afraid of accepting that. There are people who are actually afraid of acknowledging that it's okay to have a little swagger. It's okay to feel good. It's okay to feel confident. This is really tricky because we are not programmed. There's no instruction manual in our brains that says, hey, how can I have some swagger and not be arrogant? There isn't, right? And so, it's, there's a very fine line. And for some people, it's crystal, like it's super thin. And for other people, it's pretty, it's pretty wide. So when I hear the fear of ego, to me, it's people that really, and in my experience, we're going to deal with, they don't know what to do. They're paralyzed because they, they can't own their greatness. Like they just accomplished something amazing. They're afraid to acknowledge it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to share it anywhere because they're afraid that they're going to be perceived as like, oh, well, you're, you're ego. You're just, you need attention. Well, guess what? They do need attention. We all need attention. I've never met anybody who doesn't need attention. I want, my wife tells me all the time, like, really, you want to be acknowledged? Like, yeah, I'd like to be acknowledged. I mean, well, yeah, yes, yeah. Because <laughs> now, but here, here's, here's the piece, the genesis for why I wrote about that. I never stop to acknowledge anything that I do. This is, this is just something about me. And I don't really open up a lot uh, about me personally online, but I don't my whole life. I just, I do something, I move on. I do something, I move on. And um, thankfully, well, this is not a therapy session, so we can, don't have to digress, but it, it could be. It could it could be. be. <laughs> we have a couch. Well, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. I've worked on this, trust me. Um, but my point is, is that what, it took me many years to recognize that um, that pattern of just setting a goal, accomplishing and moving on to the next one, it not only belittles and demeans my accomplishment, but I'm also taking away the opportunity for other people to contribute their success and their accolades to me. 
So in many ways, it's very selfish. So when you say the fear of ego, there's actually a very selfish component to it that is really underneath that, that people typically won't get to because guess what? They don't want to talk about it. So, wow, you threw me a curveball there. I like it. Well, we have a business partner that talks a lot yeah. about the good ego versus the bad ego, sure. right? Which is which yeah. is maybe another way to put it, but I haven't I haven't really thought about it as the fear thereof. Well, so. I as a coach, I pick up part of being a coach is into intuition, right? I mean, a big part of being a coach is 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 harnessing and leveraging your intuitive skills. And when I speak with somebody, and I as a coach, if I have my coaching hat on. I only listen to people as their greatest self, the greatest version of who they are. So anything that shows up outside of that is a red flag that I will take note of and possibly address. And for me, when I say fear of ego, it's anything that sits outside of somebody talking lesser than themselves, right? There's something, there's a gap there in how they're not owning their greatness. And so to me, fear of egos, yeah, look, you've got to lean in and be a little. Um, not arrogant, but, um, you know, have a little swag. You have to show off. You have to promote yourself. As an entrepreneur, this is really challenging because I see people come out the gate, you know, spend all this money, you know, all this marketing, and it just, it doesn't get the results they want uh, and even bigger businesses. Um, and there's a variety of reasons for that. And to me, that's just a lot of like gloss over work, right? Like there's not, there's not a lot of substance there. So, yeah. Getting in touch with your ego, getting in touch with yourself, um, you know, and your purpose is, is, is not easy, uh, but it's not, it's not hard either. It just takes work. And, and a lot of people. Not, gotta, oh, yeah. sorry to interject. No, no, please, please. It's yeah. not something people can do for you. Like <clears throat> no. even, a, even a coach being like, flex your muscles, dude. Like you, you can hear that, but it feels like you there's deeper inner work it, that yeah. has to happen. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's three rules in coaching. You either, um, you coach somebody, right? Which means that they're open to coaching. Uh, you get them. So you just get them, meaning you just listen to them, let them know that you acknowledge that you heard them or you leave them alone. These are, these are my three rules. I mean, I didn't make these up. These are kind of steadfast within the coaching. And I love it because it makes my life really easy. There's three lanes. Are we going to coach? Am I just going to listen? Or am I going to let you go? Like, let's, let's not talk right now. Let's talk another time. It doesn't, my experience is that you're not open to having this conversation right now. Those three things can apply to anyone anywhere in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, to bring it back to what we talked about earlier, it'll save you time. It'll save you energy. It will, it will keep you present, right? So, yeah, I mean, I feel incredibly blessed and fortunate to have, pun intended, fallen into coaching. I'm never going to use that word again. But um, I get to work with people every day. Um, strangers allow me in so that I can help them be the best versions of themselves. I cannot think of a better occupation on this planet. I mean, I know there are, but selfishly like to give back and to work with people um, is, is phenomenal. And your show, one of the reasons I, I I enjoy your show is because you have a really strong platform um, for doing that for your audience. Um, and I just want to acknowledge you both because 
there, there are other podcasts and shows that I've been on and it's just very formatic and formulaic. And it just, um, it's almost like, well, let's just get these three or four sound bites. We're good. Wrap. Right. So I love what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's a, like four or five different ways I want to go right now. So if you have something specific here, do you want to jump in? Oh, or? I love it. Oh, okay. Let it rip. okay. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned just briefly meditation um, yeah. as an option, and that's something that I've engaged in pretty heavily um, over the last year, mm-hmm. especially ramped, ramped up that like practice in my life. And I've really found that as I do that, even whether it's five minutes or 30, it's preferably 30, it's really an interesting experience to just be able to sit with yourself for sure. longer than, than a couple minutes and also to be able to let go of a lot of things. But I've also found that my, my quality of my thinking just improves. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I, I'm on, I'm thinking more honestly, almost. Right. Sure. And um, I think a lot of people don't have time or they're busy or, or whatever it is it might be. Can you just maybe provide some insight from your side? And it doesn't have to be classic, you know, meditation. Yeah. It, can be, it can also be, um, it doesn't have to be based on a religion. I mean, it can be, Sure. Independent of that. So just any thoughts on that, that you might share with people, because for me, it's been quite, quite insightful. Yeah. Um, a couple things. Number one, anybody who says they don't have time should come reach out to me directly, <laughs> not for coaching for a one minute conversation. I will have as many times as I need to. It only takes one minute because I know what I'm going to say to bust that whole bubble wide open. But the short version is that um, if you really are interested in having a breakthrough or committed to having something go differently in your life, you'll find time. People who really want to be in love or have a kid or start a family or get a promotion or get a job, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. Other times, it's just the intention and the purpose and the fire is there. You'll make it. So that being said, um, I have struggled with the whole meditation thing over the last I mean, professionally 25 plus years. Um, and I've been fortunate to study with the founder of mindfulness. Um, and that was one of the most challenging, challenging one day seminars I've ever went through um, because we were quiet. And as you can imagine, that's sometimes hard for me because I either like to speak or I listen, but, <clears throat> and everything we had to do was slow. Everything was slowing down. It was all about slowing down, slowing your heart rate, eating food, you know, a raisin for a minute, you know, all those types of things. Um, And in the process, it forces you to get in touch with, holy crap, what am I experiencing? I can't deal with this. I want, you know, all those things, right? And you have to get to that place so that you can get to the other side of it, which is kind of what you were talking about was being more in touch, listening to your heartbeat, right? Allowing whatever feelings show up for you. Um, so I'm a big proponent in, in, in slowing down and doing some type of meditative work, mindfulness type of experience. Now, here's where I kind of deviate a little bit. You know, there's head spacers, there's calm, there's all sorts of apps. And I think I, I invite everyone to try whatever it is, right? Uh, there's not one thing better than, than the next. Um, Going for 30 minutes out the gate for anybody would be way too high to do. Uh, I would start with one minute, 
for most people who are listening who are like, I really want to do it or I tried it, it doesn't work. No, it works. You haven't worked at it. That's different. It's a big distinction. One minute is a really long time. You know, when, I, when, I, when I'm coaching people and I'll give someone the practice area, the assignment of don't speak for three seconds after somebody talks to you. They're like, well, three seconds? How long is three seconds? I'm like, time it. Three seconds can be a long time. A minute is a long time. Build up. Just like if you're a runner. I remember when I used to run, like I had to start off, run, you know, 200 feet and a quarter mile, then a mile. So with meditation, it's the same thing. Slowing down, do little intervals, build up milestones. Um, whether it's transcendental, you know, uh, music or it's listening to somebody talk to you. I, I think the, the importance of it, though, that is not always discussed is that it can also reset your nervous system. Mm. You know, just like yawning and smiling, there's, there's a neuro impact, which is in, just invaluable. And when we're stressed, right, our nervous system breaks down, our critical thinking, our analytical, everything. And then we get sick, right? And so we can't afford to do that. So the benefits of just slowing down, even for a minute, doing some deep breath work and listening is, is I'm a huge fan of that. In fact, that's the second thing I do every morning. Uh, in my kind of morning routine. So, um, but I only do it for a minute and 30 seconds. I used to do it for five minutes and I used to think I'd do it for 20. Like, and I'm like, now I don't have time for that. One minute, 30 seconds works. I can just kind of reset. I get present. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I encourage anyone out there to do it with the intention that you start off slow and you build, you build your way up because the benefits are just huge emotionally, mentally, physically. Yeah, I would. And, and for me, just another maybe practice to implement is I, f I failed at attempting to meditate for about 10 years until I got a yeah. mentor and a community. And when yeah. I met someone who'd been on two week retreats, it was like the way that they challenged me, just like you would as a coach. And I'm going to parlay this into coaching here, hopefully, if this sure. works out nicely. Yeah. Um, but it radically changed my perspective and I could actually ask questions about the challenges I was having in meditation versus like yeah. trying to learn from a YouTube video, which was generically blasted. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's kind of my, one of many rubs I have in the industry, the self-help industry, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, you know, there are a lot of people out there on social media that it's this pay to play come into my, you know, uh, my program and it's my, 10 my steps, funnel. multi. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funnel. It's all it is. Right? Let's be clear. Let's call it what it is. And they're not sharing with you anything new, anything that's going to take away from them being successful. They're sharing with you what they've done in the past. That's number one. Number two, um, they're not tailoring it to you, right? This is when you look at weight loss for a moment, you know, uh, why Noom, has such, you know, expansive reach and success versus some of these other programs. And I'm not saying Noom is better. I'm not promoting them. I'm just putting that out there um, right. because I know people on it that are trying to like, oh, I tried Weight Watchers, but Noom is better. You got to figure out, yeah, you got to figure out what works for you. Specialization and one-on-one -on -one attention or um, uh, that kind of accountability partner is, will dramatically, right? I mean, it's the same thing with exercise. Mm -hmm. You go work out with a trainer one-on-one -on -one for an hour, that may be worth five of your own personal workouts, right? So yeah, I think having an accountability partner, a mentor, a coach, a therapist, whatever you need, that's going to help you be a better version of yourself, do it. I'm a huge fan of that. All of those things that I just said.
Yeah. And I have all those things. A mentor, right. and all that. Specifically <laughs> yeah. with meditation, it's like, you'll just think it's too hard and it sucks and then you'll tap out, right? At least for, for a lot of folks. Yeah. I mean, I did. I mean, I was like, this is garbage. I'm just going to go back to doing my, my <laughs> journal is, writing. This is, this is like self-torture, right? For no reason. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, why should I slow down when I could have a cup of coffee and do 10 <laughs> other things at the same time? It's like, who, who wants to slow down? And this is from a New Yorker. I right. think I was born like in the fast lane because that's just how I was raised. Like if you don't do it now, someone else did it yesterday. So you better go. Yeah. Um, so let's convert that to coaching a little bit and then absolutely sure. it's over to you, Care. Um, so you are a mentor for people, right? Sure. And, and you've been doing, or coach, I mean, however we want to define it. And, and I'm sure there's difference in the vernacular yeah. and in the way you, you think of it, right? But yeah. um, as you're working with people, um, what are some of maybe the telltale things that you really work to course correct or work to elevate their thinking? You've already mentioned a couple, like helping them understand their, their value, essentially learning sure. how to say no. What are maybe some other just like really specific things you see that yeah. are patterns that, like, yeah. that we can recognize or people can recognize within themselves? Sure. Uh, I want to clarify one thing and then I'll, I'll come back to that. Yeah, so um, I, am, I am actually on the record uh, I mentor somebody. Um, mm -hmm. I have bandwidth to do that for one individual. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then there are people I coach. Um, but being a mentor and being a coach are very different uh, yep. things. Um, <clears throat> so now to your question. Um, wow. Okay. So here are some things that we all, myself in included, um, struggle with. And I would say the number one thing is how we communicate. Right? Mm. Uh, so Gosh, I'm a so huge, so huge, what we huge do. proponent. You know, it, uh, it's funny because there's the adage, you know, um, don't listen to what people say, watch what they do. And mm. I believe that. Mm. I watch people with an eagle's eye. I'll listen to what people say, but what you do is going to tell me everything about your integrity and your character. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that you should omit or not work on what you say, because when what you say and what you do align, that is powerful. That is when people want to be with you. That is when people, you don't have to push people are, you know, pull people are coming to you. Yeah. And that's what successful leadership looks like. I'm using it in the context of, of the corporate world, but also just personally. So there is something called autoclitics. Okay. This is basically a fancy word for what I call a preamble or uh, an awkward filler. Things that I see people say all the time, such as, I know, listen, guys, I know this is not going to be, this is not, this, I know this is not what you want to hear, but let me just tell you anyway. Your brain just heard garbage, moving on. Doesn't matter if I'm looking at you, I, your brain has checked out. Or I know this is probably dumb, but let's try it anyway. Again, you just suck the wind, the air out of the room and the power out of your, your purpose or saying, I'll try. This is the number one thing everyone I speak to always did. I'll try to do it. I'll try to be there at nine o'clock. I'll try to be there at 10 o'clock. And yes, I'm going to have to use Yoda. For example, there is no try. It's do or don't. And here's why. When you say words like try, um, what you're doing is giving yourself an out. Okay. I'll try to be there. Well, 
And most people, unfortunately, enable that weak muscle and say, okay, yeah, just try to be there. All you've done is just made a really weak commitment, if, if at best, an intention. Saying you'll try means, you know what? You're, I don't know if you're actually really important enough for me to commit to. I'm going to try. And then if you don't show up, hey, I tried, right? I know I sound like a Seinfeld episode, but it's really important because trying is, is like this Achilles heel that gives people an out of being accountable in their life. And it's become such commonplace in our speaking. It's what I call bankrupt language. There's, I work with clients on a series of words and phrases that I call bankrupt language. And I put them on a, on a diet, if you will, a vernacular diet to stop using these terms that simply do not empower you. They do not move you forward. And you're losing the listening of your audience, whether you're on stage or other. Um, so try is one of them. The other things that people say are, um, I've got to, I need to, and I have to. These three, got to, need to, and I have to. And I always say, well, what? Like, what do you mean? I said, you just said, I've got to do this. You know, and I, and I said, yeah. So what's going to happen? Is the earth going to stop moving? Right? Like, what's going to happen? Well, I just, I've got to do it. I said, no, I understand that you have to do this. Notice I said have to, just instead of got to, I'm just changing it. What's going to happen? And this is when you step people to stop and pause and reflect, like, what do you mean I've got to? Well, there's, an emph- there's, a, there's, a, um, there's a connotation that you've got to do something or else. So this brings me to something else that you had asked me. Another thing is not just how we speak, it's how we speak in opposition. Everything we have been taught in our lives from a young age is things in opposition. Hey, you better listen or you won't get snack. You better raise your hand or you won't get called on, right? We learn at a really young age that if we don't do this, we don't get that. And as we get older, we have to rewire our brains to recognize that some of those patterns don't help us in the real world. In school settings, it's great. But in real life conversations, it doesn't. So we build our lives in opposition. I've got to get this promotion. And this is what they're not saying. And this is what I would say, you know, work with them on it or what? And then they'll start to unravel that conversation and say, well, then I can't buy a new home. Ah, okay, now we're getting somewhere. The pressure that you're putting on yourself to get that promotion is directly in opposition of what you say you want, because if you don't get it, now you said that you can't get the the home, right? And this conversation uh, is what most people do all the time. They use language that's not empowering. It's in opposition of what they say they want. And it's, it's a self-fulfilling sabotage because yeah. what happens is if they don't get it because they put all this pressure on themselves, they immediately get rid of that other thing that they wanted. And this is something I see everybody do um, victimized by and myself included. I mean, the difference between me and maybe other people is because I'm aware of it more and I've been working on it. So when I speak, I'm listening for how am I being intentional with my speaking to other people about what I want? Did that just go over your? No, that it makes perfect sense. Okay. I'm, I'm just thinking, I, I put my eyes back up like that because can you yeah. just give us an example of how someone should speak then or, yeah. or what you would recommend? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Just real quick. Yeah. I want that promotion. Yes. I will get that promotion. Fantastic. Maybe I deserve that promotion, but let me put the asterisk next to that statement. This is not about arrogance. Okay. Let's go back to what I said before. It's about being intentional. It's about being intentional. It's about putting something out there into existence. This is not, you know, 
uh, woo-woo stuff. I'm not talking spirituality. I'm just, there's cosmic universal law, the law of intentionality, right? You put it out there. No one's going to guarantee it, but you have a better chance of putting your energy, your best foot forward when you say, I want that promotion. Great. Versus I got to get that promotion, right? And, and the, the, the slippery slope here is that when you tell someone who's a friend or a family member or a loved one, what are they going to say? Yeah, I want you to get it. You know, you deserve it, right? They, they're your cheerleaders. That's what they're there to do. But that doesn't always help and enable if you're using language that's really not that empowering or powerful. I know this is, it, 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 we can go down the rabbit hole on this, but you asked a question I think is so important. You know, what's one common thing that I work on with clients? It's how they speak because how they speak directly impacts how they show up. How they show up impacts if they're happy and successful. So it, it all is intertwined. And it, it's indicative of how they think. 100%. Or, or I think, right? Because it's just reflective of like what's actually happening inside me. And, and outside of you. You know, the old adage of, you know, you're the sum of the three or five people that you spend, you know, the most time with. First of all, that quote, by the way, which I see on LinkedIn, misquoted by like The Rock and all these other people. And just don't even get me started. But anyway, another show for another time. Um, that's not even scientifically really proven, it, it, it's, but it, it, there is truth to it. And I, I firmly adhere to that statement. I am incredibly guarded with my tribe, my inner circle, my friends, my family, and my peers. Um, like that's, that's sacred ground. And it's, it, it is that way because I know that those people support me and they help me show up and they help me be the best version of myself. And that's another thing that I, I heavily promote and invite everyone listening. If the people around you are not clapping when you win, you've got to really think twice about that person. So. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Well, and I appreciate, you know, the whole conversation about being intentional with our words and really honest with what we're saying. It just feels more honest, right? Yeah, but honesty goes right up against that fear of ego again. Yeah. Nobody wants to look vulnerable or lesser than. It's not in our hardwiring. And, you know, people throw around the word, oh, be, now I'm just going to give me a minute to go off. Like my superpower, my authenticity, my resiliency, I, my empathy, and all those words are powerful and they're meaningful and in the right context when used correctly. But being transparent and vulnerable is not easy. It's not hard. It's not impossible, but it's not easy because it's not natural. That's the only reason it's not easy. It's not natural. And I've struggled with that early on in my career. I mean, I, when I first started coaching, this is a true story. Um, <clears throat> in this first coaching program I was in, uh, they film you day one. It's a year long program. They film you. And they ask you like on camera, what do you want to be? And where, where do you think you'll be at the end of this program and all this stuff? And I remember I was this arrogant, cocky, early 20 year old guy. I had my suit on. I was like, I'm going to be better than Tony Robbins. I can't even, I almost want to throw up in my mouth saying that because it was so, for so many reasons, I disliked that comment, but I, I can embrace it now. Um, and at the end of that uh, training program, um, they play back the video. 
I didn't see that one coming. And there was not a dry eye in the entire room for every person, myself included, when they watched their video. When I saw my video, I was, I was so deeply moved and disgusted simultaneously because I didn't recognize until I saw that video how much I transformed, how much I was able to shift. And one of the biggest things that shift, shifted for me was understanding that it's okay to express myself. It is okay to be vulnerable, um, responsible, but vulnerable. And I just didn't get that. And it wasn't any fault of my parents. Um, I do think part of it is more of an environmental thing growing up in New York City. Uh, just, you know, it's very surfaced. It's all about what do you do? Who do you know? And how can you help me? It's like a three-point a three point exchange. No one's like, tell me how you really feel today. Nobody cares. They're just moving on. So part of it's that, but I, but I share this with your audience and, and yourselves because if you want to have a more meaningful and purposeful life and really have some breakthrough around meditation or uh, business success or hustling, um, it one of the access points is learning how to be more vulnerable. Vulnerable with yourself, vulnerable to others. Um, it, it, it's going to feel awkward at first, but eventually it's going to become commonplace. And what's possible and what's on the other side of that is just everything that people talk about. Everything that you hear about that you, you want sits on the other side of that. So, yeah. Well, that's very deep, very touching. And I think just you make a very compelling case for vulnerability. And I think <laughs> all of us just have a lot of room, myself the most, I think, in just continuing to lean into that. And you even reference like children in elementary school and like raise yeah. your hand. And like, we've got two young kids. I think that's like a really raw thing to unpack because yeah. in so many ways, it's counterintuitive to like leadership and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like, there is a reprogramming that I think we all have to face in our life. If we actually want to become the people that we want to become, I mean, assuming that there's it's, it's a little bit out of the status quo. So I, um, I appreciate you going down yeah. that road and talking in more depth around that. And I know we do have a hard stop, so I, yeah. I want to be protective of your time. And I, I want to give one more shout out to the book, because of course people can follow your um, LinkedIn content. I highly yeah. recommend people find you on social media. Your website is amazing. A lot of resources, but the book get a copy. Um, my favorite phrase that stopped me in my tracks was get, have a, have a spiritual colonoscopy. Oh, um, yeah. That really rang true because I just had a colonoscopy TMI <laughs> speaking of vulnerability. Oh, no, that's vulnerability. I love it. Yeah. Just had one. And I was like, wow, yeah. that just really is intense. <laughs> and I get it. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate. I'm a huge, I'm a bigger fan now, by the way, since yeah. you just shared that. no, Thank you. I get, first of all, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for listening to me, you know, expand. Um, this, this conversation interaction uh, is really the only types of conversations I like to do as an interview, because to me, I feel like they're the most, here, we use the word authentic, right? Mm -hmm. They're the most real. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't know how old are your kids? Or do you not want four to say and, four and almost eight, four and almost eight. So mine are 10 and five. And, um, you know, there's so much that we can learn from 
being parents and from our kids every day. I am humbled every day, learning something new. Um, and, and it requires vulnerability too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. um, if I could just take one moment and, and, and shout out to my new LinkedIn learning course, cause I'm really yeah. excited yeah. about this. Um, it, I, I shot this whole thing during COVID at home and, um, it's called coaching yourself and your team from uncertainty to action. And I'm really, really proud of this. I think that this is one of those courses that is truly going to help empower and enable leaders and people all over on how to navigate and coach yourself through these really challenging and difficult times. So I I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to put that out there. It's on LinkedIn and uh, I'm really proud of it. So amazing. And we'll include that in the show notes as well as um, some other resources and links for people to get more access to your thought process. So we so appreciate you being on and just what a way to start the morning. I feel very energized and refreshed. (laughs) I listen, the honor is mine. Thank you so much for having me. And I just shout out to that guitar, I think in the back, or is, is that a, or a ukulele? <laughs> a uk- ukulele a, there. Yeah. So yeah. my kids are starting that on Friday. They're starting, mm-hmm. uh, one's doing piano and one's doing guitar. Uh, Cause we've got to have music in the house. So um, yeah, I am a huge fan of you guys. I just want to say thank you again for having me on here and um, whatever I can do to support you and your journey together and this show, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm right there. So thank you so much for, uh, yeah. for having me on. Appreciate that. And thank you so much to our audience. I'm sure you have a lot to unpack, a lot of good notes to revisit <laughs> as I do. And I know Craig does. So I hope everyone has a great day and enjoy the grind. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review and be sure to visit tandemconsulting.co backslash talks.